Welcome back to another episode of the Evolve Wellness Experience. Dr. Bill Jensen here. Got another amazing show for you today. If you're into basically getting the healthiest you can possibly be in your life without having uh, really to rely on a lot of prescription medications and everything to get there, I got the doc on the show here for you today. So uh, buckle up. This is going to be a really, really good one, and I hope you enjoy. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. Yeah. So about, I guess about a month ago, I was listening to a podcast on the way back on a road trip and uh, came across this this new company. And I was really fascinated by what they had to offer uh, the public in general. It, it was really something that I would, had been thinking about myself, um, obviously, as a chiropractic physician, but I really have no formal training in all these different things that I'm slowly learning about. And so... I, I got going involved with this company called Live Health, and uh, when I signed up for the program, they put me in contact with uh, my new doctor here, which is uh, Dr. Michael Meehan. And uh, so we have him on the podcast here today, and he's a regenerative medicine physician, and so we're going to get into what that is and uh, some of the protocols and programs uh, that I've been personally going through myself in order to reach my optimal health potential. And... Uh, Man, it's going to be an awesome show. So welcome to the show, Doc. Hey, thanks, Doc. It's uh, good to be here. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. So tell the listeners, you know, a little bit about you and your background. And uh, you're a regenerative medicine doctor. So what got, you, what got you interested in that? Yeah, so my background is I uh, am a physiatrist by training. So basically, I do non-operative orthopedics mm -hmm. and uh, board certified in that and also in pain medicine. So... Um, career started, you know, was trying to solve things with uh, interventional procedures, epidurals, nerve blocks, joint injections, that sort of things with, you know, steroid and, and some of the other things I've been taught. And downside was I wasn't seeing uh, as many people as I thought improve. And some were actually not progressing and were needing other type interventions, including surgeries. So I started kind of looking and reassessing what I was doing and came upon a, a program called prolotherapy uh, put on by the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine and didn't really know much about it, done a little research and went to one of their programs and kind of opened my eyes in relation to more of a natural way to kind of heal uh, musculoskeletal type problems and issues. And, you know, it's kind of where regenerative medicine started. So what they typically were using was dextrose, basically the sugar that's in all of our IV fluids. So the D5W or the D5 half normal or any of those sort of things is that. And injected in different concentrations or amounts can be anti-inflammatory at low concentrations for uh, injecting in or around nerves like your median nerve and your carpal tunnel or even into your spine but in higher concentrations can be inflammatory where it can set off a cascade of response and pull in cells to basically heal the tissue and kind of get you moving forward. And that kind of moved on to things like platelet-rich plasma or PRP, um, bone marrow stem cells, fat stem cells, and other options and opportunities to basically try to heal people without needing medication, surgeries, um, those 
type things. Absolutely. Um, yeah, guys, it's so fascinating because I, yeah, I actually didn't really realize that prolotherapy was kind of the, the beginning of it all. I've heard of prolotherapy for many, many years, and I know the process behind that. Um, how long has prolotherapy been around? Um, it basically got pretty big in the, the 20s and 30s, um, kind of really popularized by a couple of docs, um, Hemwell and Hackett. And Syriax was the other one and has kind of gone on from that standpoint, was not super accepted by the general medical community. In fact, was kind of poo-pooed or frowned upon. Everybody thought it was kind of voodoo medicine and that sort of thing or snake oil. Um, as time has gone on, these folks were actually very much on the right track. And there has been more and more studies done both on prolotherapy and PRP and, and some of the other interventions has actually shown that it is very beneficial. Does it work for everybody? No, but there isn't anything that works for everybody. But it definitely has a role in musculoskeletal care in trying to you know, enhance recovery and or restoring function, uh, reducing pain control and reducing the need for you know, opioid pain relievers and a good number of other things that definitely have some pretty profound side effect issues associated with them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I tend to see like a lot of times when you have something that's a more, a little bit more holistic or natural approach to things, it, it definitely does get kind of slung around a little bit by the general um, orthodox medical community, obviously, because it just doesn't fit into that paradigm, you know, and then, but at the same time, obviously, you know, um, you know, things that work are, are things that work. So, it don't, you know, if it stays around long enough and enough people get a hold of it and then try it and have the benefits from it, it's pretty undeniable, obviously, if it's, it's that. And at the same time, though, I still, I do recognize the fact that there's, there's a couple of different types of people. There are some people that really want that really fast instantaneous gratification of pain relief or something where, you know, maybe a corticosteroid is going to be definitely a better option for them, you know, in an acute circumstance. But there's other people that definitely really hate drugs or hate medications or hate things injected into their body that's foreign in nature and are always going to try to the more natural approach first. So yeah, like I said, it, 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 it fits uh, in certain circumstances and, and with if certain different types of populations for sure. No, I agree. And, you know, the beauty of it and the way I try to manage all my clients and all my patients is they're their own entity. And we try to work within their goals and parameters and come up with solutions and guide them to make that happen. Um, you know, and, you know, there are certain situations or certain things that either they are doing or they want to do that may not be in their best interest. I will definitely counsel them to that effect. But, you know, it, if that's a certain direction they want to go and we have the capability of doing so, then yeah, I agree with you. We're, we're able to do it. Um, and that's where kind of the philosophical thoughts and ideas and those sort of things come up, which is good. I think in, um, you know, coming up with plans and helping people heal and recover and learn and all those sort of things too. I like to teach as much as I treat. And I think that's as important because I think our patients and clients can be our best advocates and really trying to spread the word of what we're trying to do as well. So no doubt about it. Best marketing ever is from people that are really good, uh, good outcomes and are really super happy and satisfied because their, their word of mouth is going to spread a long, long way. And so that's, no, absolutely. that's key. 
So regenerative medicine, you spoke about, you know, stem cell PRP, you know, prolotherapy, obviously, as a kind of the foundation of how it got going. Is there other kind of branches within regenerative medicine just besides the injections and such? Yeah, I mean, I, I look at a kind of a whole whole piece of everything. So even looking at optimizing things that I'm working on with yourself and the other folks uh, in Live Health and some of the other entities I'm involved with. Um, you know, looking at cell health, I think very important from that standpoint, looking at immune function, mitochondrial health, mitochondrial function, uh, movement patterns and, and things that are very important from that standpoint. And, you know, looking at your background, absolutely kind of the same thing. Um, hormone optimization, um, optimal intake of both micro macronutrients, all the pieces associated with that reducing inflammation because they all spill over into our musculoskeletal system and or our outcomes that way too. So if you've got, you know, horrible cell health, um, you know, very low hormone levels, you're not exercising particularly well. And, you know, you've got significant challenges from uh, a mental health standpoint, it's going to be very difficult for you to get a very good response from, you know, me sticking a needle in you on one occasion or maybe two. If we can get some of these other pieces on board where we've got your cell health as you know, optimal as we can get it, we've brought your hormone levels and some of the other things up much more into the optimal area. Um, we've got you moving and exercising and activating certain areas, which will set the tissue down much more readily when we do the procedures and that sort of thing. Your outcomes are going to be so much better. You're going to feel much better about, um, you know, spending the money to do these type of interventions because the vast majority are not covered by insurance. Uh, but it also gives you the empowerment of being able to direct care and do what you want to do, not necessarily being told by some other entity that has no interest in you whatsoever what we're going to do. But my goal is just to try to hit you in all areas, just to try to optimize you all the way around, as opposed to just saying, okay, we're going to stick this in your joint and we're going to be done and you're going to walk away and be perfect. So um, I try to look at it from a head to toe intervention, as opposed to, hey, you just got a knee problem or, hey, you just got a back problem. We're going to, quote unquote, fix it with regenerative or restorative interventions and procedures that kind of come at it more from a comprehensive standpoint. And that resonates with me, too, because obviously in the chiropractic world, when I see people that come in with like, you know, just the obvious stuff like a back pain, you know, you know, they, they look at it like a back problem. And I and I definitely look at it like a health problem. You know, they're right. they're you know, they have structural issues. You know, they have movement pattern issues. They they have inflammatory issues. Their adipose mm-hmm. tissue is way too high. They they, you know, <laughs> you know, they're they're loading their spine with 100 pounds extra force. They. Their dietary habits are inflammatory in nature. Their macronutrients right. and their vitamin <clears throat> status is subpar for regenerative healing. I mean, so, so, so yeah. So when the short answer to a lot of people when they come in isn't a short answer because they're like, well, why is my back hurt? I go, well, you can see on the x-ray, you know, what's structurally going on. But there's, you know, there's, there's about 50 other different things that are contributing to this. So I can certainly put you in a Correct. better position structurally, but all the other things are things that you're going to have to change in in your lifestyle habits and what you're doing as far as dietary water intake, exercise habits, stress patterns in your life, smoking, like all that stuff. So definitely it's, it's, it's not a silver bullet for a problem, no matter what it is when it comes to your health. Uh, Well said. Um, I don't know if you or your listeners have read the book, uh, Ending Alzheimer's by Dr. Dale Bredesen. 
But I use that as an example as to why there's not one magic bullet that tends to cure things. And he goes into that right at the beginning of the book saying, these are why most of the pharmaceutical treatments for Alzheimer's have failed because everybody just wants that one thing. And he goes into you know all facets of treatment where he says there's at least 30 to 36 different things that you must address to see a significant improvement and or even reverse the condition. And um, I use that for pretty much anything I'm looking at, whether it be an autoimmune type problem or a musculoskeletal problem or an infectious type problem or any of the other things. I mean, it's it's going to be multimodal and multifactorial uh, treatment, but it was also multifactorial on kind of what set the stage for you to kind of get in these situations. And it's not a blame thing. It's just a matter of people need to understand that it's not going to turn around in, in one or two sessions or one or two treatments. It's going to be time and, and you know, it's going to be um, intensive in the beginning, at least for sure. And then once we get things back online, then it'll be hopefully a little bit more um, focused. But, you know, the vast majority of treatment for most of the things that you and I do is about 80 to 85 percent the same. It's that. 10 to 15 to 20% that's germane to that one area, be it a back problem, brain health problem, or cardiovascular problem, that's going to be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. But most of the things are going to be pretty similar as far as really trying to get things back online and get things moving forward. Right on. Couldn't say it better myself. So, well, let's let's get into a little bit of some of the different uh, protocols and stuff that you mentioned as far as regenerative medicine. Sure. So, real, real popular one for sure. I mean, I, I'm, I can't even imagine how many patients have had this procedure done, but PRP, platelet-rich plasma injections, um, are are very, very popular these days. Tell us right. a little bit about that. Yeah, so that well, that was kind of the next step up from, from prolotherapy and has been used in plastic surgery, dentistry, and a few other areas of medicine probably since the 1970s or 80s to help with wound healing, to help with dry sockets, and some other things too. So basically what it entails, very simple, is a blood drum. So we pull out you know, anywhere from 60 <clears throat> to sometimes 180 cc's of blood. And then we put it in a centrifuge and spin it down to separate the uh, constituents of the blood. And the platelets are usually kind of in the middle. The plasma is on top, the stuff that looks almost looks like urine or pee when you look at it. And that platelet poor plasma actually has some potential benefits. So it's not junk. So we actually use it. It's actually been shown to be more helpful for muscle injections. So muscle tears, uh, for example, hamstring injury, hamstring tear, that type thing. Um, platelet poor plasma has actually been shown to be more beneficial than platelet rich plasma. So we found some things that actually help. So we actually keep that and use that. The platelet rich plasma is in the middle and then the red blood cells are in the bottom. So we usually get that middle layer and then sometimes that top layer. And then we can inject it into pretty much any tissue available. So there are protocols where we inject it into hair to help with hair growth. There are some that you can do in the face if you've heard of any of the vampire facial procedures that the Kardashians have made very popular. Um, you can do it into pretty much any joint, any tendon, any ligament. Um, any structure there in certain times you can put in around nerve to help reduce <clears throat> nerve irritability and some of the other things too. So basically what is happening. So the platelets, when you injure yourself, let's take one step back. 
when you injure yourself, platelets are kind of the first thing that come in that set off a cascade of healing. So they, if there's any bleeding, there's any irritability or inflammation, they kind of help to calm that. And then they release certain growth factors and other signaling cells to tell other cells to come in and try to you know, direct healing. And so what we're doing is we're taking away the step that we're injuring you and we're putting the platelets where we go. Now we do tend to use the needle in those tissues to cause a little micro trauma. So if it's a bony area or an area where a tendon or ligament inserts, we will try to kind of jab that after we anesthetize it, of course, to try to cause a little micro trauma, bring in some more blood flow and kind of accentuate the healing. And then we'll inject it typically under some type of imaging guidance, either ultrasound, similar to the ultrasound you would think of if you're looking at your child or your, you know, if you have a spouse that's pregnant or any of that sort of thing, or women are pregnant. Same thing, we can look at the musculoskeletal system very well, especially the soft tissues with that, or we'll use x-ray or fluoroscopy for certain structures, including joints, but primarily if we're doing spinal interventions, it's definitely necessary to do those type of things. And then you just target that with where you're going, document what you're doing, whether it's into the joints, into the ligament, tendon, muscle. We can do it into the disc. We can do it you know, pretty much anywhere that you can get a needle in. Um, and then, you know, it sets off the cascade of inflammation healing. Now, what I usually tell people is it's very inflammatory, meaning it tends to make things swell, makes things irritated. It makes things sore, painful, uncomfortable. I usually tell them for the first 24 to 36 hours, they're going to hate me and probably cuss my name a couple of times because it's going to be difficult for them to move a little bit, sleep, those type of things. We do tend to give pain medicines, but we try to have you know, people avoid anti-inflammatories and steroids and those sort of things because, again, we're trying to promote inflammation. If we use those things, it's basically wasting your money. Next day, um, after 24 hours, usually it's much better, still sore, but you're usually a little bit better by about the third day. Most people know they've had something done, but they're able to get back to most activities, if not all. And, you know, if it's something we did on a Friday, by the time Monday comes around, unless you're a high, high skilled laborer or somebody that has to do pretty significant, heavy duty work, you can get back to work without much of an issue, which is the beauty, um, because we can kind of incorporate these into plans where you don't have to miss work and be out for long periods of time and that sort of thing too. Mm -hmm. I know that was a long answer to a short question. No, that was, that was really, that avoided about three other questions actually that I was going to have for <laughs> follow up as far as like whether they were guided or not under ultrasound or fluoroscopy. Obviously I was thinking about the spines and in, in the fluoroscopy world and stuff like that as well. But, um, and then timeframes, obviously on, on a level of, benefit from the injection? What time frame can they look? Is it a week, two weeks, month? You know, obviously. Yeah. So I usually tell folks that you, it tends to get better the further you get away from the injection. So most people have had some type of procedure done, some type of steroid procedure, the vast majority. And usually they have undergone and, you know, you get that immediate gratification either with the anesthetic agent and then the steroid kicks in within couple days to a couple weeks, you feel good for probably about four to six weeks and then it wears off. Um, usually this tends to get better the further you get away from the intervention. So one month is better than when you did it, three is better than one, six is better than three and so on. So, you know, it depends on the person. So I've had it done multiple areas, uh, my knee a couple times because I've had some prior injuries dating back to when I was a teenager. 
Um, and it took about four to six months for it to really start showing benefit. Um, doesn't necessarily mean it will be like that for everybody. And there are instances where we will actually repeat it um, to try to get even more of a response to move it forward. Sometimes along with that, we'll even do a little prolotherapy, a little dextrose therapy for the same thing, just to try to accentuate the healing. Sometimes we'll even use the hyaluronic acid type injections or kind of the, um, uh, some note of them as the rooster comb type injections and those sort of things that also can help to benefit uh, the joint itself and the joint environment but also have been shown in addition with the PRP to be more beneficial than either one apart. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we will incorporate those type things and, and insurances for the most part still tend to cover those. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's variable in everybody. I mean, if you're, you know, younger, you tend to heal more quickly. You're going to probably have a much quicker response. If it's more of an acute injury, you know, you injured your ankle two weeks ago and we start treatment immediately you're going to have a quicker response. If it's something that's been there 10 years, it's going to be a little bit longer process. And again, we may have to do it two or three times to really start seeing a benefit. For example, bad ankle sprain that you've had for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. It's going to take some time for that to really kick in and get going as far as that goes. And that's where we might look at something more robust, like your bone marrow or something else. Got it. What intervals would you do if you had a chronic one for 10 plus years and you know you got to do multiple, would you do it at intervals yeah. like every three months or so or how, how yeah. often? I mean, I think it depends on the person and, and their ability as well and kind of what they have going on in life too. But yeah, I mean, you could do it as frequently. I mean, there were certain protocols in the beginning where people were doing it weekly. Okay. It's probably a little bit too much in my opinion, just because you're not given in my my thought process a full amount of time to really kind of kick in. But I would say you could probably do it monthly without much of an issue or much of a problem. Um, but yeah, I mean, every three months is not unreasonable. Every six months is not unreasonable. Um, it, it, I think it's a conversation to have with your, per, with your client or with your patient mm -hmm. and come up with a game plan and kind of what their thoughts are. I mean, some people just want to walk better. You know, one may be enough to make that happen. Um, some people want to, Hey, I want to get back to doing marathons or I want to do triathlons again, because I can't because of this quote unquote, whatever joint it is. Mm -hmm. Um, so those people eh, that, that may take a little bit longer or maybe more aggressive. We may say, okay, let's do it every two weeks. Or I may try to discuss a little bit more robust procedure. Right on. Okay. So PRPs, those are kind of the foundational stuff as, as in, in this generation now. Um, step up from that, then stem cell. A um, lot right. of, I mean, boy, oh boy. I mean, you hear so much about stem cell, stem cell, stem cell. Like every time right. you see a, a high-end athlete that gets injured, you, you know, they fly to Europe and they get stem cell, you know, injections over there, or quote unquote, you know. But then, but then I also hear at the same time people getting some stem cell procedures over here. So is there a, di a difference between the two of these? Uh, Not a great deal at this stage. I mean, with the caveat that there are certain limitations or restrictions that has been placed on us by you know, the, the FDA and some of the other things, too. Um, most of these cells typically have to come from the person. Um, we cannot technically use anything that's called an allograph where it comes from someone else at this stage. Now, some of those things we can use outside the U.S. without much of an issue, and that's potentially where people are going outside the U.S. to get those done. And then the other thing is fat is able to be used in the U.S. if you do what's called minimal manipulation, meaning you can't break it down and do a good number of the other things to it 
before you inject it back in. So there are some approved ways to use fat, but there are also ways that you can digest and break it down and release more of the growth factors and or more of the stem cells that you technically cannot do here in the U.S. that some folks are probably doing offsite, be it Europe or be it in some of the other countries that have less stringent rules and those sort of things too. Mm -hmm. But I would say here we can use bone marrow pretty readily. So basically we stick a, a needle or a trocar into the iliac crest or the pelvis and we extract it that way. And then that it must can suck. Either, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, overall it tends to go much better than most people think it goes. Um, there's some degree as the procedure is more uncomfortable than doing the extraction to believe it or not. Um, but you know, it's not a fun thing. I'm not going to say we get Christmas cards from that as far as that goes, but um, it, it usually goes relatively smoothly and there are options for spinning it similar to what you do with PRP. And there are options for not spinning it and there's pros and cons to both, but they can be used either way. And then similar to what we talked about with PRP, you use imaging guidance to direct it to the tissue that you are trying to treat. And sometimes we will do bone marrow and or fat in combination with PRP. So a common one would be a knee. So we would do the bone marrow primarily for the joint and maybe some of the supporting structures if we have enough volume, but we may not. So that's where we do the PRP, where we would hit things like the medial and lateral collateral ligaments on the side of your knee to help improve support or stability. We would hit the meniscus or the cartilage if there are some issues there. We would hit some of the areas around your patella or kneecap we would hit the tendons, we would hit some of the other structures that may be helpful. Because a lot of these problems arise as the result of instability in certain tissues in certain areas. So we're trying to reinvigorate that tissue, trying to tighten it up a little bit. So the instability is much less, which would allow the joint to take a lot less pounding and some of the other things too. Mm. Um, so we oftentimes will do those in combination if we have the ability because they work in different ways, different manners. Um, certain ways we understand certain ways we probably don't quite yet but they can work synergistically whereas you know one can be good if you use two or three different ones it's even more robust from that standpoint like i know with stem cell obviously the name of the game is is regenerative i've i've heard actually in in studies i don't i'm not 100% of true if if in a petri dish they put you know two tendons not connected together and then put stem cells in there and the tendon actually reunited like in the petri dish is that even like possible have you heard of anything like that or is that yeah, I mean, there's there's studies where they're, you know, they've done, you know, rats and or rabbits and certain other things. And they've done interventions where they've actually grown nerve and, you know, they've they've caused you know them to have spinal cord injuries and have seen you know, recovery of um, function uh, to the lower extremities if they, they did one in the thoracic or lumbar region. Um, and I, I think that that is going to come to fruition to some degree already is. Uh, but again, it's it's a matter of trying to get these things quickly or acutely where you know, I think you can intervene and really make a pretty profound impact. Whereas if, you know, it's an older or chronic or that's not a word, chronic type issue, um, then it may take some more time for that to really work or you may not get it again as a robust response. But yes, um, in answer to your question, there is definitely, you know, options to make that happen. What about uh, um, a degenerative disc? 
Is there any any benefit to injecting into the intradiscal space and helping trying to, you know, regenerate some of the, the tissue? So spine is kind of one of my areas of expertise. And uh, yes, I mean, it and it kind of started the same way as with um, with some of the other soft tissues and or joints is people initially were using things like dextrose solutions into the disc to try to help and then there was a substance called chymopapain that they used to do, which the goal was to try to change the environment of the disc for the better. The downside is, is there were a couple cases where people um, had some of the solution leak out onto the, some of the nerve roots and the nerve roots were injured to the point where people were either paralyzed or had significant neurological deficits. So they kind of frowned upon that moving forward. Um, but then yes, I mean, platelet-rich plasma injections into the disc definitely can be of benefit. One of the downsides to that, if you've got a big tear in the disc or significant degeneration where you've got multiple areas where the fluid could leak, that one could come out just because it's, it's, it's a little viscous, but not really viscous. Mm -hmm. Um, Bone marrow actually works very well for that reason, because it's got a little bit more viscosity to it and it can kind of fill up the little nooks and crannies and some of those holes as well as changing the environment of the disc and some of the other things. And there's actually a new FDA approved uh, product called ViaDisc, which is made out of the nucleus pulposus, so the inside part of the disc from cadavers. And obviously they've run through all of the gamut of things, making sure that there isn't gonna be any issues with infection or problems from that standpoint and uh, have just started using that, have done a couple of cases, um, have not had any follow-ups quite yet. But once I do, I can definitely give you an update from that standpoint. But the beauty of this is I do think it opens us up for more um, involved treatment for the spine, short of, you know, we, we start off and I do these as well. So I'm not, you know, negative negatively looking at them, but Usually we'll start off with an anti-inflammatory. We'll start with some physical therapy, maybe some chiropractic or a combination of both. If that doesn't work, then we'll do an epidural or a nerve block or a facet injection or any of those sort of things. If that doesn't work, then it's surgery. And if that isn't great, then we're looking at spinal cord stimulation, you know, opioid pain relievers and some of the other things. Right. Whereas I think the regenerative piece definitely doesn't burn any bridges for us, but also has the potential opportunity of improving stability, stimulating the nerve, yeah, nerve as well, but also the muscle to kind of grow, but also improving the integrity of the disc, improving the environment of all these areas and kind of instigating a restorative type response that way we kind of break that cycle of all the things that I just talked about. Yeah, no, that's, that's the Holy grail right there. If you can, you know, reverse, reverse time, basically in the damage that got accumulated over the years, that's man, what a game changer that would be. That would be awesome. This episode of the Evolve Wellness Experience is brought to you by my company, Premier Wellness Centers. If you work actually locally to the Treasure Coast in a, any organization whatsoever, we're actually starting a new program, which is the Corporate Wellness Programs. We have two components to that Corporate Wellness. First of all, we do quarterly corporate lectures based upon your industry. And what's fascinating about that is studies actually indicate that when you have regular corporate wellness uh, topics in your industry on a quarterly basis, it can decrease work-related injury by up to 50%, which is a huge thing as it pertains to the bottom line. 
So if, if interested, you can contact us directly, uh, premierwellnesscenters.com and send us a message. You can also call us directly, 772-879-8700. Part B to that, if uh, we come out and do corporate wellness lectures and you wanted to do some type of in-house uh, or out of uh, the uh, practice or business uh, wellness programs, we can also set those up according to your industry and according to the number of employees and such. So once again, give us a call today, 772-879-8700 or contact us online at premierwellnesscenters.com and let's get some corporate wellness going for your company. So you, we've got me going on, you know, the protocol and stuff like that uh, in, in my program that we're in right now. And, uh, you know, some of those are what are called peptides. Right. And um, it's very interesting because, you know, now it's like anything else. They're starting to gain popularity. And now, you know, before where you – there's like a lot of things you used to be able to go into. Um, I'll, a good example, you used to be able to go into pretty much any gas station, any health food store and get epinephrine. <laughs> and they're like tabs and stuff like that, you know, but right. then all of a sudden everybody started turning it into like meth. So then Correct. they, they you know, made that illegal. And the peptides, I remember just a few years back, like you could just go on to basically any website and order them online as far as peptides. And now it's starting to get restricted, it looks like, in, in that regard, too, through the FDA. So what, are, what exactly are peptides? So peptides are small chains of amino acids or small proteins, most of them naturally occurring substances or naturally occurring substances like growth hormone, where they've chopped a little piece of it off which also has some potential benefits, either from an anabolic standpoint, recovery standpoint. And there are, there are peptides that can do a little bit of everything. Some that can grow your hair, some are good for skin and, and wrinkles, some are good for sexual function, some are good for body composition, some are good for musculoskeletal health. You name it, there's probably a peptide for it. Um, and again, I think we, we go back to things we talked about earlier um, they tend to work rather well. Um, I think the pharmaceutical industry and the FDA and some of the other things are getting a little bit concerned because it potentially may be reducing profits and, and you know, we're healing people instead of need them needing medications for 20, 30 or 40 years and that sort of thing. And they're really putting the clamps down on certain ways that these are able to be manufactured and made. Um, they're still available, and uh, hopefully that will continue. But um, definitely something we'll have to kind of closely monitor and watch. But I hate, they definitely I, I really, have I, I, I really hate when people uh, actually get well. You know, that's just isn't that the worst <laughs> scenario in in healthcare? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's uh, it's a constant battle as far as that goes, and I mean we could we can be as cynical as we'd like to be, and. And there is a fair amount of truth to it, unfortunately, even in our cynicism. But by the same token, I mean, it, it had become, like you said, a little bit of the Wild West where, I mean, you could get all of these things wherever you wanted to get them. And they were not regulated at all or very well. And um, so there is a little bit of the safety piece and some of the other things that I can see their point. Mm-hmm. So Agreed. we have to balance that to some degree. So I'm not saying they're all wrong as far as their thought processes and those sort of things, but there also is a lot of truth to what we just said. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So peptides, uh, I think I'm on the BPC 157 right now. That's really good for inflammation and gut health. Um, exactly. For sure. For um, sure. Really good for musculoskeletal issues. Um, anybody that's had any type of brain trauma as well. 
It's actually very good for the reasons that you talked about. It's really good for reducing inflammation and recovery from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. It's one of the go-tos, I think, that most you know, precision medicine, health optimization, uh, musculoskeletal physicians have looked at. Um, but it's it's well-tolerated. Rarely have I had anybody that's ever had to stop it. The other nice thing is they have not found any type of a lethal or toxic dose to it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So you can go kind of as high as you need to. Obviously, the price, unfortunately, goes up. But um, that you need to to try to impact your client or patient in a positive manner. Mm-hmm. There are even some folks that are, you know, injecting it either into joints, soft tissues, or even around nerves for the reasons that it helps to reduce inflammation and some of the other things too. So it too can be done or used in the musculoskeletal realm, similar to the way that some of the regenerative therapies can. With with the injections, I have heard one thing about that. You could give me your insight on it. Um, you know. Um, better some some people say like as far as like maybe a tendon injury it's better to inject it into the tendon versus subcutaneous around the tendon is there a major have you seen a major difference between the two um you know i don't tend to use it a whole lot from that way i mean if somebody has a desire to do it and or you know they want to do that before we do regenerative medicine or in addition I'm good with doing it. I wouldn't say it's the most common way that we tend to use it most of the time. It's it's either subcutaneously or orally, one of the two. But you know, some anecdotic anecdotal excuse me reports, um, you know, feeling like putting it in into the tendon or around it can be of benefit. So um, I think it can have a role for sure but I don't have anything to hang my hat on from a data standpoint to be okay. honest. Okay. All right. So that so obviously we spoke about the the benefits of of gut health in regards to that particular peptide, but um, you know overall now there's a there's a you know I think the the concept of the microbiome and its influence on your overall health and well being. I mean there's a lot of functional medicine doctors out there. You listen to their podcasts. I mean they'll hang their hat on the fact that like that's probably the most important like thing that you really need to do um, as far as your overall health and well being is really looking at the integrity of your gut. You know how what's your thoughts on that? No, I mean I would agree. Um, I'm still I'm a little bit more of a uh, centrist or. Um, uh, I don't tend to focus on one area is what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, looking more globally than locally, but I agree. I mean, it, it's definitely a big, important piece, but could I say it's more important than sleep? Uh, is it more important than um, stress reduction? Um, and they're all intimately tied together. Um, no, but, you know, it's definitely a big, big piece that definitely needs to be addressed, I would say, in the vast majority of folks and people, whether they've got, you know, reflux, constipation, diarrhea, chronic infections, you know, abnormal gut flora, you know, all the other things associated with that. Because if you're not able to digest, absorb, assimilate, all the other pieces associated with that, then yes, you're going to be a bit of a mess, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think optimizing that is incredibly powerful importance. Um but there are others that I probably feel are along the lines of that. And uh, again, I try to look at it more as a global entity as opposed to, hey, if we fix your gut, everything else is going to be peachy keen and rosy. But definitely a big part of overall health and longevity and recovery and anti-aging and all the things associated with that as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
what I actually see a lot of times too, and just in regards to gut health and such is, is a lot of people have like leaky gut symptoms, you know, for mm-hmm. sure. You know, I mean the, the antibiotic abuse that goes on just from childhood and, you know, you, clear viral infections and they're going in and here's, here's your antibiotics for a viral infection and all that stuff, right. you know, and then ear infections and all the such. And then we have all the, you know, the pesticides in our food sources and they're breaching the, you know, and we have all these autoimmune disorders, inflammatory responses, you know, it's like food sensitivity. Right. I mean, allergies, like I don't ever remember when I was in school, like kids having like all these allergies we had to ask, you know, what, is it okay that, you know, do you have any food allergies that we should be aware of before we serve you, you know, right. lunch in school? And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. So, um, but no, I would agree with you. And, you know, it's, it gets harder because the testing's okay. It's just not, in my opinion, where it's going to be moving forward. I do think we're going to have much better availability for defining and, and helping even more than what we're doing. And we've definitely made significant strides, don't get me wrong, because it used to be, I mean, you said, similar to what you said, you say leaky gut to somebody, they'd be like, what the hell's that? Or mm-hmm. they didn't believe it. Or and, and, and again, it's been fully documented in the medical literature and definitely as an entity that is definitely problematic. And I agree with you. I mean, I, if we're looking at autoimmune health and that sort, I think that that's absolutely, you've got to address the gut. There's no two ways about that, 100%. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely an issue or an entity that definitely needs to be addressed and asked about in your initial, you know, discussion and or interview and trying to elicit all potential issues because some people say, oh my gut's fine. And you start talking to them, and they start telling you, yeah, well, I kind of bloat here and there if I eat X, Y, or Z, and yeah, I'm constipated three out of seven days of the month or week. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I get diarrhea and then, you know, I can't tolerate it, this. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a piece that if you can get online, it's going to do nothing but help you moving forward. No doubt about it. One of the, one of the, one of the cornerstones for sure. No doubt. But yeah, like you said, sleep, exercise, you know, all the, all the other lifestyle habits and things like that are just as equally as important. It, this gut health yep. is definitely just one entity of that. So, so talking about live health, you know, um, tell, tell us a little bit about the company and how'd you, how'd you get involved with them? Um, you know? Yeah. You know. So I started talking with, uh, Andrew Wax, who is one of the concierge coaches there. And I, I believe, you know, also, you know, uh, part in the executive team. Just before COVID started, probably early 2020, I think he was on um, a podcast I had listened to, and I was like, "Hmm, this is interesting." So I, you know, wrote into him and had a discussion, interview with him, and said, "Look, I'm really interested in kind of what you're looking to do." And um, you know, COVID hit, and they got kind of pushed back a little bit with their launching and opening and that sort of thing. Um, probably really got going with them. Um, early mid 2021 and has slowly grown to the point where I'm, I'm pretty busy with clients. And, and basically their goal is not necessarily to do primary care or, um, you know, normal, you know, colds and, and that sort of thing. It's really to kind of take folks that are looking to take their health to that next level, kind of transform and look a little bit deeper into data, including blood work, including potentially genetic testing, including body composition analysis like a DEXA scan. If you have a wearable device like an Aura ring or a Garmin watch or a Whoop or a BioStrap, 
and put that all together into a process and plan to meet the goals and whatever those goals may be. Again, similar to what we talked about earlier, I have some that just want to really focus on having the ability to play with their grandkids. I have other people that are, you know, relatively high level um, marathoners and or triathletes that, hey, I really want to improve my time. I want to drop 10 seconds here or there or whatever that number may be. Or I want to be on the podium. I have some of their kind of in the senior levels that are very competitive and are like, look, I'm tired of getting beaten. I want to, I want to be on the podium. And there's all, all gamuts in between. Other people are really focused on their brain health. They've got a family history of Alzheimer's. They're like, okay, what can I do to make this not happen to me or mitigate the effect? So basically, you know, we get all that information together. Um, the concierges meet with the client first, kind of gather the information. They take that information and we order a blood panel. And after the blood panels in, everything's together. Um, they meet with a doc and then we review all that information. Typically I spend about an hour with uh, the client the first time kind of going over their ideas, kind of my gestalt, kind of the way I process and plan how it's going to be more of a long-term solution as opposed to something in, you know, 45 to 90 days where you're going to be cured and come up with a plan of attack to try to make that happen with the understanding that, it's probably going to take us anywhere from about six months to 24 months to really get things optimized. And there's probably going to be some bumps in the road. There's probably going to be some setbacks, but the goal is if we have to take a step or two back, hopefully we can take four or five forward to kind of get you where you need. Mm -hmm. Usually I tell folks it should be like the stock market. It should go this way, but some days you're going to do really well and other days you're not going to do so well, but as long as we're going this direction, that's kind of what we're shooting for. Absolutely. You know, and, and the platform is, is I was so impressed with the platform, like you said, because, you know, you, you have these apps, you know, I have an aura ring, you know, that obviously tracks my sleep patterns and my steps and my calorie expenditures and like, you know, all my heart rate. And now it's checking, uh, oxygen saturation rates at night to see maybe if you have apnea or something else sure. that is, is, you know, interfering with that. And then you, you know, but then I track all of my calories and my macros and everything I do dietarily on my fitness pal. Right. And so like constantly I was, I always have thought, I'm like, man, it wouldn't it be cool if like a place you could just like basically have like a board and like up on the thing and like all your metrics would be within that and one place instead of like going back and forth and you could really chart that. And when I, and I didn't even know that was part of the program. So when I like literally got into the platform and logged in and I saw that you could link up all these different applications that I was already using, I was like, holy cow. This is exactly it, man. It was, uh, it's so cool. So now when I log in every single day and I just like look at my patterns, it's, it's nice to be able to see that what we're doing, um, you know, from a supplementation standpoint and protocols that we're putting into place, how that's paying dividends on my sleep efficiency. Cause I'm now, I'm my, my sleep sure. efficiency, you know, was like, you know, 76, 77% and stuff. And, and now, um, I just looked and it was like, um, at 86%. So it's, it's improved my, I'm not waking up and not moving as much. I'm getting, I got up almost two hours of deep sleep the other night that, I mean, if I would get sometimes like 35 minutes of deep sleep, I would be like, wow, that was a really good night deep sleep. I feel so refreshed today, you know? So it's just, it's really nice to have that, you know, all in one platform as well. And the other thing I would say about the process that I was impressed about. And I think it's important for listeners to understand is that 
when you get your blood work done and you and you're within your normal, right? Like normal like in in blood work is like you know, you're you're in the in the average of like the worst that exists, you know, that they accept as the worst in the nation and the best in the nation, right? And Correct. as long as you follow within those like that's normal. But like a good example with me is, you know, I said you know, uh, sometimes I, I kind of hit that that classic wall that people always talk about, about three, four in the afternoon, and I might get a good night's sleep, but I kind of feel like not super energetic. Um, and, you know, you looked at my thyroid levels and you said, well, your free T3 looks good, you know, but it's not like optimal. So, sure. you know, you're at a four, why don't we get it to a five? And we'll take the supplement to bump that up a little bit and get your, your thyroid levels up to a five. And then that's going to improve your energy. It's going to improve your body composition. Your metabolism is going to improve because I'm 46, you know, and, and I hate to admit it, but my metabolism slowed down. I don't recover as quickly as I used to for my workouts. So like our protocol for me right now is like recovery, energy, body composition, like mm-hmm. all those things. Because I said, you know, my goal is I, I really want to recover, have the metabolic capacity that I had when I was in my 20s you know, not in my forties. So that's my protocol. You know, I, I want to get right. back to 25. So it's awesome. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of, ex- you explained it well, is the goal around where our peak hormone levels should be around 18 to 25. Now, unfortunately with some of the things you, we talked about earlier with environmental toxins and heavy metal issues and bad diets and limited exercise patterns and certain things, I'm seeing more and more younger males and females that are having significant issues, even in their teens and early twenties, which is another area we could talk about maybe in another podcast. But mm-hmm. normally that's what I'm trying to do is get people where their hormones were about 18 to 25. And again, as you said, um, if you look at quote unquote normal, that's about 95% of the population ranging anywhere from 18 to however old people live to could be in the hundreds. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I'll give you a quick example of why that can be problematic. They've looked at testosterone levels starting in the seventies and the free and total normals have dropped every 10 years since the seventies. So it used to be kind of normal total was in the 1200s and normal free was you know, 50 some, uh, and that number has continued to steadily dwindle to the point where it's you know, two thirds of what it used to be somewhere along those lines, I can look up the numbers. But the point is, is that's changing negatively. um, And our quote unquote normal is is becoming less and less, which unfortunately, then insurance companies and some of the other folks are using as the standard bearer of what's considered normal or abnormal, whereas it's not really where it should be. It's more the clinical piece. Yes, the numbers help me, but it's not the end all be all. If you're 200, you're good. And if you're 201, you're fine. Or mm-hmm. the other way around. If you're 201, there's no issue. If you're 200 or 199, there's an hour problem. Mm-hmm. No. Um, it's more along the lines of things you talked about. Boy, my focus is not where I'd like it to be. I've got a bit of brain fog. My energy's not where I want it to be. My libido has gone to hell. Um, I can't recover from activity and exercise like I used to. Um, those type things. And, you know, again, I would tell folks in this and some of the other entities I work with, this is much a clinical diagnosis as it is a number type thing. So uh, it helps to guide me, but it also, I, I want to talk to you and get your perspective. I mean, if we don't get you up to optimal levels, but you come back and go, damn, I feel great. Okay. Then 
that's your that's where we need to put you because again the art of it comes too in the fact that people metabolize their hormones differently so if your levels are a little bit lower but you feel good suggest to me that things are hanging around a little bit longer to do the job and you're not breaking them down as quickly so they're able to you know cause the effect that we're looking for whereas you do have some folks that are on the other end of the spectrum they metabolize stuff very quickly and it's not able to hang around and do the job as as it should be. So sometimes we have to drive their levels a little bit higher, similar to what you talked about with your thyroid. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we can glean that information from other testing, like your genetics and you know Dutch tests and and some of the other things from that standpoint too. Mm-hmm. So fascinating, man! What the the human body is just just a miracle, man! It's such a such a complex and amazing machine for sure and it, that's why it, it's called the art of practicing medicine because it's just no if you if you claim to know it all and have mastered the <laughs> mastered the process like yeah you don't even know what you're talking about for the most no, part that's for sure it's so um, evolving you're right no doubt about that so so if our listeners you know want to want to check out live health and stuff like that what's the best way that they can go about uh, finding out about the company and uh, getting hooked up with the doc yeah, just uh, get on www.livehealth.com mm-hmm. and uh, it will allow you to you know, enter your information and someone can get back to you if you're trying to gather more or if you're like, yep, this is what I want to do, then you can go ahead and sign up and um, we'll get the ball rolling with your initial interview and or getting the blood work and some of the other pieces associated with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty seamless, as you have noted, pretty easy to do. And they're pretty uh, quick and nimble to try to get back to you and get things moving forward. The one thing that is necessary, however, is you have to have a primary doctor and you have to have documented evidence that you've seen your primary doctor within the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the big pieces that you know we focus on, both from a, a medical standpoint, but also a little bit from a medical legal standpoint, just to make sure that everything's on the up and up. You've been given the stamp of approval that there aren't any major issues, concerns uh, with your health, and that you know, we're able to kind of move forward. And you know, along with that, we do the intake information, both with the concierge and or with the doc. And then we also use that information along with the labs and some of the other data pieces to really come up with a good but safe program for you to really try to meet your goals. Mm-hmm. And all this, and all this, by the way, is completely virtual. So it's not like you have to go to like a brick and mortar, like regular doctor's office, other than the fact that you got to go get your blood work done and such like that. But you'd also mentioned too, um, in the event that um, part of the protocol and stuff you come up would be some type of intervention with an injection or PRP or something like that, then do you have like, uh, you know, kind of like satellite practices that you're affiliated with? Yeah, in areas so- to go to? My day job, I work uh, with a group called the Osteopathic Center, which has locations in Miami, Florida, and Knoxville, Tennessee. So that's where I do the vast majority of my work from a regenerative medicine standpoint. Mm -hmm. And then we also do things like ozone therapies, which are very good for people that have chronic infections or illnesses, but also for people that are just looking for a boost from a general health standpoint. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of IV therapies there. We also do aesthetics and sexual health type treatments, which we use PRP and some of the bone marrow treatments for as well. Um, but we do a little bit of everything. I also do some of the precision medicine, health optimization things there. My partner focuses more on chronic illnesses like mold and Lyme and um, heavy metal toxicities and some of the other things too. So we hit both from the ill standpoint, but also from the health optimization standpoint. So we have a little bit of everything covered. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the website for that is www.theosteocenter.com. Awesome, man. Well, Dr. Michael Meehan, it was a pleasure to speak to you today. I'm sure I'll be talking to you and seeing to you real soon as I kind of make my way through uh, my journey. Obviously, I'm working and optimizing my health and well-being. And uh, yeah, we'll have you back on for another show down the road and we can get into some more stuff. Sounds great, Bill. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed the conversation. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. I'll talk to you soon. You as well. Thank you.